0: We took Leo to his first splash pad a couple of years ago when he was two years old. This particular splash pad had all kinds of holes in the concrete where shoots of water were bursting forth from the concrete. There were little shoots and there were really big shoots. There were shoots going straight upward and shoots going sideways. There were children running in and through and around all of it. Some of them had squirt guns and buckets and even little plastic things to ride on top of through the water. Leo had never seen a splash pad. I could tell he was intensely curious, and eventually he saunters over to the smallest shooting fountain of them all. And he holds this little plastic wand, the kind you, you make bubbles with, and he sticks the wand into that little shoot of water, and with a furrowed gaze, just holds it. For minutes on end. None of the babbling that was very frequent at that point in his two-year-old stage, just this settled focused upon the water. I confess, I, as parent, eventually tried to get his attention. I didn't want him to miss out on all the other fun things and toys. I said, Leo, did you see the really cool truck you can ride over here? And then at another point in what not to do in Parenting 101, I went and I picked him up. And I took him over to a more fun and interesting area with bigger shoots and toys and all the rest. I set him down, he just brushed me off, and he just scurries back to that little fountain with his wand and furrowed brow. Guard your steps when you gather for worship in the house of God. In our reading from Ecclesiastes, the word guard means to take great care and to protect from intrusion. Do whatever it takes to be in a place where you can truly give yourself over to a settled focus on living water. And how does one know if they're in a place of settled focus upon living water? According to Ecclesiastes, they are ready not to speak but to listen. Not to give their words, their opinions, their musings, but to Listen Three times in just two verses in Ecclesiastes, we hear this underscored about how we are to gather before God in worship and truly as a way of being even before God. Draw near to listen. Never be rash with your mouth or quick to utter words before God. Let your words be few. The repetition, of course, points to the fact that that is a problem for most people then and now. A recent study found that over 80% of us check our phones within the first 15 minutes of waking up. And so our day really does start with incessant chatter, globally, politically, socially, weather-wise, work-wise. And then there's also the, the TV chatter and the radio chatter and the texting chatter and the email chatter and the meetings chatter. And then, of course, there's there's all kinds of internal chatter. And then we arrive to worship, and the word of God from Ecclesiastes declares, stop. Do not let your heart be quick with any word, within or without. Let your hearts know a settled listening for God before you have words. And examples even given in our scripture, like you who make a vow and, and you open your mouth to declare a promise to God or to someone else. If you open your mouth, if you, if you say it, do it now. And if you're not going to do it, then don't open your mouth. Let your words be few. One thinks if Ecclesiastes were writing in our time, it might read this way When you type up that email or that text, and all of your angst or fear or anger, and you can feel the unsettledness in your body, stop. Stop the words. Press delete. Listen for God. That is wisdom. The wisdom of Ecclesiastes is a wisdom we find echoed in scripture, uh, uh, one that some of you may well know because you've May have been praying it this past week, it was on your postcard you received after worship last week. "Be still and know that I am God," Psalm 46:10, that the root of that word, "be still," in the Latin is "vacate," from which we eventually get vacation. As in "vacate." Take a break from needing to speak, needing to respond. Take a break from needing to be in control, needing to be in charge. Take a break from being God. Vacate. And know that I am God. Why is this so centrally important? And the answer is named in a rather straightforward manner in our Ecclesiastes reading For God is in heaven and you are upon earth. God sees the whole picture, all of reality across all the world and every heart throughout all time, and certainly all of the reality of any particular situation or angst in which we find ourselves. Wisdom approaches prayer and worship, not with a cluttered heart of chatter, not with mindlessly speaking doctrinally correct words, but instead a willingness to listen before living water, and listen in open humbleness no matter what God might say Because it is God, not us, who has true perspective, true wisdom, real truth. And in a world where there is so much chatter, online, on the television, on the radio, among us, coming at us from every direction all the time, to a point where we are constantly asking ourselves which sources are actually true. I think there is a genuine hunger for some real perspective, some real wisdom, some real truth. In our reading from John chapter 18, Jesus subtly echoes the wisdom of Ecclesiastes that we might know truth. In his back and forth with with Pilate during Jesus' trial, he states plainly, everyone who belongs to the truth listens to me. Pilate's response sounds almost perfectly postmodern. What is truth? And did you catch Jesus' response? Nothing. Pure silence. Pilate asks, what is truth? And the next thing that happened is that Pilate leaves Jesus standing quietly before the question itself. What is truth? And I just imagine this scene with the other people there present waiting for Jesus to respond to Pilate's question, looking for Jesus as something to this profound question, and no words are coming from Jesus' mouth, and so they just keep staring. And maybe eventually it dawns on a few of them that all the words have stopped, and what they have before them is the singular living word. His word, his way, his very person, he is the truth being made known all the more clearly, not in the back and forth debate with Pilate, but in the silence. Hovering around that question. We guard our steps. We slow our speech. We quiet our hearts because we believe not only does does God have all perspective, which we talked about in last week's sermon a good bit more, uh, but really that Jesus also is himself truth. And he is quite near for those with ears to hear and eyes to see. What does it look like for us to do whatever it takes amid the ongoing cacophony of sound and voices always, always around us? What does it look like to create the kind of space within and without that allows us to listen for the bubbling of living water? What protects our focus? Perhaps for some that is why you are here week in and week out in worship it is a space to hear afresh for some it is walking in nature for some it is it is music for some it is attending to the cries of neighbors through whom we hear the voice of Jesus for some this past week it has been Robert Craven's video that was sent out via email to the church on prayer as listening and again if you haven't seen that and been able to receive that meditation it's in the lobby for you after Worship. But what does it look like regularly for us to guard our steps? Because if we can open long enough before living water, before our God who is heaven, we may not hear all of the answers. We may not be given perfect clarity on all matters before us. But we can and we will hear afresh the truths which frame and inspire and build God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. As I watched Leo stare so determinately at that water, I remember how it struck me that these minutes on end were probably blowing him away, as every paradigm he knew about gravity was now in question. Up until that point in his two-year-old life, everything that goes up comes down. I mean, you open your hands in your high chair with your mac and cheese, it goes on the ground and Dexter faithfully comes and eats it, right? You step off of a step, you tumble. You drop the the, the water in your cup, it, it goes down. But now, for the first time, something's shooting upwards. Water's bubbling upwards. The paradigm is being blown open and his imagination undoubtedly being blown open. If we come before God without all of our chatter, within and without, if we find spaces to protect our hearing, if we come foremost simply to attend, we'll begin to recognize ours as the God of living water moving in an unexpected direction. For instance, if we come foremost seeking to listen, we will hear Jesus say upside-down things. Just when we assumed that it really is best to have a lot of money and means and it's unfortunate for those who go without that's as obvious as the direction of gravity we listen before the living water who speaks blessed are the poor just when all the chatter trumpets the importance of being happy and finding happiness and 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 staying upbeat that's that's the gravitational pull of how we should all be we listen before living water who speaks blessed are those who mourn. Just when all the chatter makes you believe, you need to really be worrying more about your savings, your retirement, your children, your grandchildren, your health. Are you doing enough about this or that? Living water speaks. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Do not be anxious in anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests before God. Just when all the world's chatter makes it clear how you should deal with people who wrong you, who wrong your city, who wrong your nation, eye for an aisle, eye, jail for the bad, bombs for the evil. I mean, this isn't and science, the direction gravity pulls with how we need to deal with. Love your neighbors. Pray for those who persecute you. Just when our guilt, our shame, our failing, our disappointment, our addiction pulls us down once again, and we think forever gravity has pulled us unto this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Or perhaps most stunning of all, just when we thought death was the inevitable end. Death, the most obvious and powerful of all gravitational poles on earth. Living water speaks. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. You stare and listen for Jesus. And what you come to hear is nothing short of gravity defying, water breaking through impossible concrete situations. It is a fountain of life shooting in the opposite direction. And if we stare and listen long enough, the imagination is sanctified with with holy possibilities so good and upside down, we could never have dreamt of them on our own, anxiously running from this and that and all the chatter. I love that quote from the early 20th century French writer Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. If you want to build a ship, Don't drum up the men to gather wood, divide the work, and give orders. Instead, teach them to yearn for the vast and endless sea. If you want to see lives truly change, the church truly grow and flourish, the kingdom of God in Georgetown and the world truly grow and flourish, don't provide a list of of sort of do's and don'ts of what we need to be about. Attend fully to the gravity-defying living water who is Jesus, and find yourself captive to possibilities previously unimagined living water makes us yearn for the vast endless sea of life how will our imaginations be attentive be made attentive again to that gift what is the next practical step you must become like a child Oftentimes it is we adults who get so anxious or antsy or bored and we've got to move on to the next more exciting thing. Speak up when the silence is awkward or difficult. We're ever captivated by the the latest, most anxious chatter or the, the latest, most interesting gossip. Become like a child. Maybe a toddler specifically. Situate yourself before living water and stare and listen with an intent focus. For the rippling of living water. Let God shape your heart's imagination. And if in that prayerful, childlike, reverent listening, your heart is captured for a yearning of that vast and endless sea of God's kingdom within and out there, that will be far more than enough for the journey ahead. And so what I want to do is end this sermon a little bit differently and invite us into a space of reverent listening by way of an exercise Fred Rogers once did on his show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. One time he asked the children, do you know how long a minute is? And then he does something unheard of on television. He goes, he sits down on on the step in front of the children, and he pulls out an egg timer, and he winds it for a minute, while sitting on that step, he lets it tick. And I'm thinking to myself, how boring. Surely children change the channel. Surely I would have changed the channel. But now, having seen Leo a couple years ago, I see this as part of Mr. Rogers' genius. He had a profound respect for children, their ability to hold attention to one thing and just be utterly engaged. He saw it as something we really should not outgrow. No, we wanted to affirm that as a very beautiful gift. And so in a moment, what I want to do is set a one-minute timer and have a moment of prayerful silence. I was given two egg timers today. Joy Bedford and and Babs Cape, they came through. The thing is, they they, they tick a bit loudly and they ding loudly at the end, and I am trying to invite us to pray a little. So I'm not going to do just like Mr. Rogers did. I've got a a timer on my phone. (laughs) And the invitation of this next minute is to vacate and know that I am God. To practice listening for living water bubbling up in our midst. Maybe a line from a hymn will come back to you, a line from the sermon, a scripture reading, the children's sermon, anything that's happened today. But just listen. And if you're like all of us and your mind just starts going, five minutes into the silence, it's okay. Maybe just say the word grace and let that word bring you back to a space of centeredness upon the living God and the living water. But I invite us to practice a minute of silent listening for the living God. Let's continue in prayer. Our gracious God, we come before you this morning and seek our words to be few, that we might hear from you. We give thanks that you have faithfully spoken into our lives previously and even this morning. And now we lift our hearts with words on behalf of those who need your life giving water poured out upon their lives. We pray for those who have been stricken ill in recent days by the coronavirus or many of the other maladies made known around the world. We pray for your healing. And we pray you would help us hear your simple call to the church. Heal the sick. We pray for all of those whose hearts are captive to anxiety and fear in this day whether because of news of the virus or the market or because of a situation quite near in their family, their workplace, their very lives. May each know the gift of your peace which transcends all understanding, your abundant provision, your satiating, life-giving water. We pray for all caregivers, medical caregivers, counselors, Stephen ministers, hospice workers, family members stepping in to do their best, may each be comforted and strengthened in this season of caring. May your living water abound to them in surprising and gracious and satiating ways in the coming days. We pray all this in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven,